This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, October 28th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, housing nonprofit downsizes but looks ahead. A day in the life of a miner with Finton Cole. Telluride feels an unbeatable new rhythm. And a mountain weather forecast. Since January, the Trust for Community Housing, a nonprofit fund to help Telluride families purchase or rent a home, has operated without a director. Presenting to the Board of County Commissioners on Wednesday, the nonprofit's board chairman, Ryan Markey, says the absence of a director has shaped the organization's future. Um, we've gone through some changes in the last year, namely, our former executive director, Amy Levick, retired in January of this year. Um, that, in large part, contributes to why we have not sought another grant for the 2023 grant year. Even without seeking new funds, Markey reports that the nonprofit has been able to distribute money to locals looking for help signing a lease or making a down payment on a home. In 2021, they connected 13 homes with new homeowners, and Markey says they will at least meet those numbers in 2022. Thus far, um, we have had 10 grantees awarded. We have another three in the queue. Um, So we're on pace to at least match last year. And I think we'll exceed that because of the Sunnyside project. Um, We've paid out 23,700 to those 10 to date. Markey says that based on their current finances, they will be able to continue that program, called the Housing Opportunity Fund, well into the future. Markey notes, however, that the problem is less and less one of affordability. Instead, the challenge with housing is that there is no open housing for locals to buy. Looking at the pipeline of units coming online and the lack of units for sale, it's it's anybody's guess as to how much demand there is Mm -hmm. in the coming years for that. Um, But we're certainly in a, a financial position to be able to continue that program for a long period of time. The trust is also considering beginning a new program which would specifically help homeowners manage mortgage payments. In the past, it also participated in the Landing Locals program. That platform allows individuals searching for homes to post on an online forum in the hopes of connecting with someone who can provide housing. Commissioner Lance Waring recalls that it did not succeed in making any connections. don't have hard numbers, but I did speak with the founder of that program at one point, and at that moment in time, there was no success. Um, there were The platform was being used by people who were looking for housing, but there was no reverse opportunity. Going forward, the Trust for Community Housing is still hoping to hire an executive director and is also exploring sharing that director with another local nonprofit. Funding an entire staff position, Markey says, is a challenge for such a small organization. Because again, that's that's really the challenge is for many nonprofits, you have the overhead expense of administering the program and given where we expect demand to be now and in the future, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have our own full-time staff. Director or no director, Markey says the current board is excited and engaged. Despite missing grant deadlines for 2023, they plan to reapply in 2024. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this.
Boys basketball is moving forward and the girls' volleyball season is coming to an end. In this installment of A Day in the Life of a Minor, Telluride High School's Finton Cole brings the latest. Have a listen. This is Fenton Cole on your sports update. Boys Varsity Soccer won to the Caprock Academy Eagles 9-0 and lost to the Crested Butte Titans 2-1. They are eligible for the state tournament in November as they battled the Lotus Academy Meteors in the first round. Girls Varsity Volleyball won against the Ridgeway Demons 3-0, won against the Gunnison Cowboys and the Ignacio Bobcats 3-2, and lost to the Mancos Blue Jays 3-0. They were 9-12 going into a row game against the Dolores Bears. The girls put up a good fight, and they won 3-2. They have a home game against the Norwood Mavericks before the regular season ends. The Dove Creek Bulldogs, the Ignacio Bobcats, the Mancos Blue Jays, and the Nucla Mustangs are already in the top spots for the playoffs, with Dove Creek leading the San Juan Basin League. That's it for your sports updates for this week. I'm Fenton Cole, reporting live from Telluride High School, and we'll see you next week. On the job, a one, a two, three, and a four, up. The kids' room at the Wilkinson Library is no stranger to joyful noise. But the music which fills the room on this particular evening has come a long way to this remote mountain town. The drummer and drum teacher Etienne Tolno moved to Montrose a few years ago. And this week, he visited the library in Telluride to lead a drum circle in the tradition of Guinea, his home country. Tolno says the two cultures are nearly worlds apart. Uh, I come from West Africa, Guinea. There we share everything, the water, food, the bed. We share everything, the music. It is different for me. It's not snowing in my country. So it's very, very different. Tolno found music after his brother became a drummer while the two were growing up in Guinea. That way I show, I see my big brother like doing the music, drumming, and you know, that's why I like follow him. Mary Beth Fleming, Etienne's wife, explains that the two brothers came from an educated family. In pursuing music, they defied society and family expectations. Traditionally, it's a caste system in Guinea. So really, he was supposed to be like a doctor or a lawyer, and you don't really branch out. But his older brother was the first of the family to branch out and say, I want to become a musician. Um, and so he followed his brother's footsteps, which was a big ordeal mm -hmm. at the time. Tolno shares his music in drum circles all across the Western Slope. He says that to sit behind a drum, to take a deep breath, and to begin to follow a rhythm creates a sense of joy. That's why um, the people uh, come, come together, you know, so the rope men come together. It's a language, right? That's why we can share the language. The gym, the music is language too. We share about that.
The evening darkens outside the large north-facing window of the children's room, as Tolno encourages all who have gathered to begin dancing. All around, on the faces of the young and old who have joined the drum circle, is evidence that this language speaks across great distances and cultures. It may just be universal. <laughs> On October 31st, a jack-o'-lantern is a spooky, whimsical, or heartwarming staple of Halloween. But on November 1st, that jack-o'-lantern may very well have turned into a pumpkin, and it needs to go. This year, the town of Mountain Village is offering free pumpkin composting. Pumpkins must be free of candles, paint, glitter, stickers, or any other non-compostable elements. Pumpkins are available for compost drop-off at the Gondola Parking Garage in Mountain Village, behind the Village Market, and at the Meadows Parking Lot. Pumpkin composting will be available November 1st through 18th. After a long day of work, finding something to cook that your children actually want to eat may feel like a chore. But there may be a way to help. Get your kids involved. Next week, Tri-County Health Network will be hosting a 30-minute Cooking Matters program to teach tips and tricks for getting your kids interested in eating the food you're cooking. Kids are welcome to join and childcare will be provided. The Family Kitchen program will take place at the Wilkinson Public Library from 11 to 11.30 a.m. on Thursday, November 3rd. Space is limited. Registration is available at telluridelibrary.org. Colorado Parks and Wildlife has found the presence of additional zebra mussels in Highline Lake, north of Grand Junction. The discovery comes after testing identified the invasive species in the lake in September. With the additional mussels in the water, CPW has changed the status of the lake from suspect to infested. This is the first time a body of water in Colorado has been categorized as infested with zebra mussels. According to CPW, the establishment of an invasive species can lead to millions of dollars in damages to water infrastructure, water quality, and impact recreational opportunities. Highline Lake is currently closed to all surface water activities. It closed for the season at the beginning of October. CPW's invasive species experts are evaluating next steps to address the infestation at Highline Lake. The FBI has released a new list of missing Indigenous persons from the Navajo Nation. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis from KSUT and KSJD has more. The FBI updated its list earlier this month, which now has nearly 200 missing indigenous people in New Mexico. It's part of a larger effort by federal agencies to address a problem that Native people say has persisted too long without enough funding or resources. Nationwide, there were 774 cases of missing Native people as of August, according to the National Institute of Justice. Last year, Secretary of Interior Deb Holland, a member of the Laguna Pueblo, announced the creation of a new unit with the Bureau of Indian Affairs that would focus on unsolved murders and missing persons cases. On Tuesday, the FBI announced it would offer a $5,000 reward in the case of Ella Mae Begay. 
Miss Begay, a 64-year-old Navajo woman, has been missing from her residence in Sweetwater, Arizona, since June 15 of this year. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. Two tax-related measures are on the Colorado ballot this year. State Ballot Proposition 121 asks voters if they would like to decrease the state income tax rate. Supporters say the cut will put money into people's pockets. Opponents say the tax decrease is actually a tax increase for most Coloradans. They are also asking voters to weigh in on another measure. Prop GG would add a table to all income tax-related ballot measures in an effort to clarify how taxes will affect different socioeconomic groups. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Alexis Kenyon has more. The passage of the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, or TABOR, 30 years ago created restrictions on the state income tax code in Colorado by design. One of those restrictions mandates that voters approve of any changes to income tax. Another is that when the income tax proposal gets on the ballot, it must be written in specific language. Elliot Goldbaum of the Colorado Fiscal Institute says these rules make tax increases especially difficult to pass. It has to be in all capital letters. It has to spell out the dollar amount of the tax increase, even if it was only paid for by super rich people would still have to say, shall taxes be increased by as many zeros as as are in hundreds of millions of dollars. And so a tax cut might sound appealing to a voter, and that has a significant impact on voters' willingness to support it. And it's by design. Another thing Tabor codified was Colorado's flat income tax rate. This flat tax rate means everyone pays the same rate regardless of income. Right now, that rate is 4.55%. Proposition 121 on this year's ballot asked voters to change that rate by about 0.11% down to 4.4%. But Goldbaum says the wording of the question is tricky. Proposition 121 looks fairly straightforward. Shall your income taxes be decreased by this amount? Unfortunately, voters do not get the whole story when they are asked that question because the amount of tax cut that somebody gets is wildly different dependent on their income. Supporters of Prop 121 say the money will create thousands of jobs. Dr. Stephen Byers is a senior financial analyst for Colorado's Common Sense Institute. What's happening really is it's taking away government revenue, but it's increasing private sector savings. And there will be more jobs generated by the private sector as they face a lower corporate income tax. And while the 0.11% tax decrease would mean a private sector savings of about $380 million, Kristen Myers, a tax expert and editor-in-chief of TheBalance.com, a personal finance and tax policy website says Prop 121 would save Coloradans making $36,000 a year, right around the state's average income, about $3 a month, or annually $12. The bulk of the tax savings, more than half of the state's lost revenue, would be returned to the top 1% of Colorado taxpayers. And so, again, In this idea of giving tax cuts because the money is going to trickle down, right, trickle down economics, in theory, it could work. The reality, however, is that's not actually a hard and fast truth. 
And what we do see regularly is that oftentimes corporations will take tax cuts and they will run with them. Myers says for every one million dollars in lost tax revenue, the private sector creates about four jobs. So we can do the math. You know, if Colorado loses 10 million in tax revenue from these tax cuts, then you're essentially going to have 40 jobs created. But Proposition 121 isn't the only tax question on this year's ballot. Proposition GG attempts to clarify tax-related ballot measures like Prop 121 by requiring that all income tax-related ballot measures include a table that breaks down how changes to the tax code would impact eight different income brackets, information that's already included in the ballot blue book. Goldbaum says, especially this year with Prop 121 on the ballot, voters deserve to understand what they're voting for. Right now, voters are going to be asked, should your income taxes be cut? And if they vote yes, for people who make under $91,000 a year, they will probably actually get less money from the income tax cut than if they just voted no or if the law didn't change at all because of the Tabor rebates that are scheduled to go out next year. And I'm not sure whether GG would actually give them that particular information or not. However, at the very least, they should know the dollar amount that they would receive from a tax cut or on the other side, whether they would actually be subject to a tax increase if it was to pass. Stephen Byers of Colorado's Common Sense Institute says, as far as adding a tax table to spell out how taxes would affect different income levels, he can see why people would want that. I think it depends on where you stand. If you're in the camp that taxing people who make good incomes is a good thing, then you probably want to uh, show these income categories. But if on the other hand, where it's like, well, you know, continuing to tax is not a good thing, then you might want it to be more opaque. Uh, I mean, personally, I think people ought to have to take a little test to make sure they understand what the ballot measure even says (laughs) before they can vote on it. And I think a lot of people just see headlines like free lunch. Well, that's a good deal. Let's do it. So it's like Margaret Thatcher said, is socialism's great until you run out of other people's money. Elliot Goldbaum of Colorado's Fiscal Institute says he doesn't think it's a coincidence that the people who are for Prop 121 have come out against Proposition GG. I would just say to conservative groups that are annoyed by Proposition GG, why are you proposing these measures that aren't actually helping people that you say that it's going to help? All you got to do is come up with tax policies that actually give the most benefits to the people who need it and not to rich people. A recent poll by Strategies 360 found that 65 percent of Republican, Democrats and independent voters in Colorado support adding a tax table to the ballot. Whether that poll majority translates to policy changes at the ballot box remains to be seen. For KGNU, I'm Alexis Kenyon. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 25 degrees. Saturday should be mostly sunny during the day and mostly cloudy at night, becoming clear. The high is in the mid-40s with a low around 25. Sunday expect mostly sunny skies with a high around 45 degrees. Sunday night should be mostly clear with a low around 25. This has been the news for Friday, October 28th. Thanks for listening. 
If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Oh man, the ride into Telluride was sketchy this morning. I can only imagine, with this weather and your tires... Hey! It's true. And with what's are coming soon, you need to be prepared. Well, what do you recommend? Mmm, get snow tires and health insurance for sure. Health insurance? How is that preparing for winter? Well, in case of anything, you have the necessary insurance to help. I don't like reading anything about health insurance. They make it wordy and confusing. Mmm, yeah, I agree. But I was able to get health insurance because someone was able to assist me with enrolling. Really? Who? It was actually a healthcare coverage guide from Tri-County Health Network. They talked me through the whole process. No way. That's awesome. How do I get in contact with them? Actually, open enrollment is just around the corner. It starts November 1st. So you should call TCH Network at 970-708-7096 to make an appointment soon. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.